ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Welcome to College Football Live. I'm Matt Schick. Let's get out the tunnel. Big offensive questions for a pair of playoff contenders. What will the offenses of Georgia and Texas look like without key pieces? Then fresh off his record-setting touchdown pass, Air Force quarterback Zach Larrier joins us to talk about the play that went for six and a potential New Year's six. And we get in the know with Joe. He'll tell us where the value is with the latest shakeup in the Heisman on. But we begin with the latest from Ann Arbor as the NCAA is investigating Michigan analyst Connor Stallions at the center of an alleged sign-stealing operation. Stallions bought tickets to games to scout future opponents, sources tell ESPN. Twelve of the possible 13 Big Ten schools have records of him purchasing tickets for one of their games. There's also a record of him purchasing tickets to games outside the Big Ten, including the last two SEC championship games to reportedly scout teams in playoff contention. We welcome in college football reporter Adam Rittenberg has been all over this story. Um, Adam, we know that NCAA investigations can take a long time, but you reported on ESPN.com the Big Ten office doesn't have to wait for the NCAA to complete its investigation. What would it take for the Big Ten to step in here? Yeah, Matt, the Big Ten would need enough information. I'm told they want the facts. This is a complex situation, kind of an unprecedented one. And they would need enough information on their end, mindful that it is the NCAA's investigation, to then step in. But Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petini would have the exclusive authority to pursue potential discipline against Michigan, going by the Big Ten's own sportsmanship policy, which talks about competitive ethics and obviously not not compromising the integrity of, of the game. So if the Big Ten it feels it has to a point where it can step in it has the right to do so what is that process for major disciplinary action that could be handed down from tony petiti the big 10 commissioner right so if the action that they deem necessary is beyond a ten thousand dollar fine and a two-game suspension for any individual, it would then go into the major disciplinary action category. And there would be a recommendation made by Tony Petiti, the Big Ten commissioner, to a joint group, an executive committee, membership around the conference, that would weigh that penalty, potentially dismiss it, potentially reduce it. They could not add to it. But it's possible then that that would uh, include some some real uh, heavy penalties for, for Michigan. You know, it, it's obviously the NCAA side and dealing with their rules postseason bans and so forth but that major disciplinary action was used last year in the Michigan Stadium tunnel fight and has been enacted in the past but others would need to be involved for it to go through Adam really quickly here what's been the reaction throughout the college football world and the Big Ten to the story yeah, Big Ten coach is not surprised. They, they, they've, Michigan's been on their radar. They were aware of Connor Stallions on the sideline and aware of what they believed he was doing. But certainly the extent of this, the amount of tickets that were purchased, how far it went, supposedly, certainly shocking for uh, coaches that, again, knew about Michigan and were wary of them. All right. Thanks, Adam. Let's bring in Tom Luganville and Sam Acho for today's edition of College Football Live. Guys, we know, and Tom, start with you, sign stealing is legal. 
but it's the in-person scouting that goes against the NCAA bylaws. How does that impact the game, Luke? Well, it's not only the in-person scouting, it's the advanced in-person scouting, meaning that if you don't have an opponent for the next two to three weeks, but you're checking out a couple of their games two to three weeks in advance, and you have the opportunity to match signs and signals with plays on the field and put it all together, you essentially have an opportunity to always be in the right call. Now, let's be very clear about something in the game of football. It will always be about blocking. It will always be about tackling. It will always be about protecting the ball, discipline, fundamentals, techniques. So you've got to play the game. But if you have an advantage where you line up and you know based off of the signal that they are giving, the play that they are going to run, you can put yourself in a position to have the perfect call. Doesn't mean you'll execute it correctly, but it does give you an advantage to defend it or if you're on defense to be able to look offensively or offensively to defensively how to have an advantage and get a, and get a competitive portion of this game weighing in your favor. Sam, there is video out there online that can be easily found of Connor Stallions uh, standing next to the Michigan coaching staff, specifically in that Ohio State game. Ohio State calls a, check, calls a check, an audible. They look to the sideline. The entire Michigan coaching staff, including Stallions, is looking over at Ohio State, and then they will check their check and call in a play. That, that's being called a smoking gun, but how common is that among coaching staffs on the sideline? It's, it's not common for coaching staffs to look at the opposing sideline to find their signals and then call their play. It's common for your own team, if you're on your own team, to look at your sideline to your coaches to get the new play. But what's not common, in my opinion, in my estimation, in my time playing the NFL and in college is for an entire sideline, whether it's Connor Stallions, defensive coordinator, even the guys on the sideline, to be looking at the other team's signal to find what that signal is and then to adjust their plays based on that signal. That is not common in, in college football, at least in college, NFL, any level of football I've been a part of. Really interesting. Again, just to clarify, let's show you the rules here. The NCAA bylaws here, 11.6.1, off-campus in-person scouting prohibition. Off-campus in-person scouting of future opponents in the same season is prohibited. Now, it does say in the same season, meaning there could be some gray area. You could attend a game in 2022 for an opponent you won't see till 2023. Would it have to be on your official schedule like a potential CFP participant? But here's where the gray becomes black or white. Rule 1, Section 4, Article 11, Subsection H. Any attempt to record either through audio or video means any signals given by an opposing player, coach, or other team personnel is prohibited. Colorado head coach Deion Sanders weighed in, says in terms of sign stealing, even to this magnitude, it doesn't guarantee success. I mean, everyone's trying to get an edge. I mean, everyone's trying to get whatever edge they can. Um, you could have someone's whole game plan. They could mail it to you. You still got to stop it. You still got to stop it. So in football, it's not as pronounced as baseball if I know a curveball is coming I'm, I'm I got you you know with, with football I don't give a darn if you know a sweep is coming you still got to stop it Sam you played on the defensive side of the ball you agree with prime not not as big of a deal still got to stop it even if you know it 
I don't agree with Coach Prime on this one. I've been on the sidelines. I've been on the field during games in the NFL where I've had coaches who haven't stolen signs, but they've studied tape and based off film review, based off of tape study, based off of down and distance, which is all legal and allowed, they have a high likelihood of knowing what play is going to come. And I've been on the field and have, co have had coaches say, hey, watch the toss sweep, watch the toss sweep. And subsequently, I've heard those calls and I've adjusted my play to go and make the play or have my teammates make the play for that toss sweep. And so in this regard, if you know what play is coming, it gives you a significant advantage on the football field as a football player. And so I think that if Michigan players or coaches know exactly what play is coming based off of illegal sign stealing, it will give them a strong, strong advantage to make plays on the football field and ultimately win games. Really good insight there, guys. As this story continues to develop, Michigan, by the way, does have a bye week this week. There are some other college football teams that wouldn't mind having some extra time off to heal up a pair of contenders for the CFP without their MVPs. How could Texas and Georgia adjust. We'll examine that. Texas will have a new starting quarterback this week. Quinn Ewers out with an injury to his throwing shoulder. It's unknown how long he'll be out, but for now it's likely redshirt freshman Malik Murphy getting the nod this Saturday against BYU. True freshman Arch Manning also waiting in the wings. Steve Sarkeesian saying we'll devise a plan for whoever that quarterback is. Luke, start with you. What does this Texas offense look without Quinn Ewers and with Malik Murphy? Well, I think it depends on how much Sark feels like Malik Murphy can handle within the offensive structure. Obviously, I don't think you're going to have a full plate like you would with Quinn Ewers, but I do think it's very, very important with the run game that Texas has, the offensive line play that, that they've exhibited. You've got to get Malik Murphy in a position of comfort. There are going to be routine staples within this offense that are meant to be very easy, very quarterback friendly, get the ball out of Malik Murphy's hands and generate confidence. And then as you go through the week, you're going to sit down with Malik and you're going to sit down with Arch Manning. And you're going to say, OK, what do you feel comfortable with? What do you not feel comfortable with? And that will end up being the game plan. We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court. It can feel impossible to keep up with, but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. It will be interesting to see how this game plan plays out, plays out because Quinn Ewers is a special talent. I think it's hard to, for people to really understand unless you've been around or maybe you've watched him play. Let's take Alabama, for example. No other quarterback has thrown over for over 300 yards against Alabama outside of Quinn Ewers, threw for 350 and three touchdowns. Uh, Quinn Ewers last year when he went injured in the Alabama game when he was injured two years ago, uh, excuse me, last season, the Texas offense sputtered under Hudson Card. So 
if Texas wants to be successful against BYU, they're going to have to lean on their running game, which is Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter. Jonathan Brooks is top 10 in rushing yards in all of college football. Likely going to be on a lot of the awards watch list for when it comes to the best running backs in all of college football. C.J. Baxter is another one-two punch in this offense. So I understand that Coach Sark wants to be a pass-first and pass-heavy offense, but if you want to beat BYU, he's going to have to lean on those backs and lean on that offensive line and not take too many risks with Malik Murphy. Texas isn't the only team without a key offensive weapon beginning this weekend. Life after Brock Bowers begins for Georgia this Saturday against Florida. The star tight end recovering from tightrope surgery following a high ankle sprain. It's the first game in three years without Bowers for Georgia, who won the Mackey Award last year as the nation's top tight end. He has been the engine for this offense, bringing in more than 20% of receptions, and receiving yards for the Bulldogs and over 30% of yards after the catch. Sam, how will Georgia adjust without Brock Bowers? They're going to have to lean on Lad. Lean on Lad McConkey. So this Georgia offense, it's been injured a little bit. First couple weeks, Lad McConkey didn't play. He's only played the last three weeks, and he has nine catches. You have to lean on Lad. Then obviously you go to Jack Sane, another receiver who's getting more run, getting more playing time. The offense has gone through Brock, and understandably so, one of the best in all college football, but there have been times this season and in seasons past where guys like Lad McConkey have stepped up in big moments and made huge plays for his team. Health has been the biggest issue. This off week, this bye week, will give the team time to get more healthy, and so it'll give them time to get more healthy and time for quarterback Carson Beck to build chemistry with his other receivers. You know, Sam, I go back to the Kentucky game versus Georgia and, and watched how Carson Beck continues to mature and work through his progressions. And if you noted in that game, there were a lot of plays made to Ra Ra Thomas, to Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint. And it showed a lot of maturity that Carson Beck is able to not just laser focus in on Brock Bowers because sometimes when Brock Bowers is covered, he's not really covered. So you have a tendency to stick with him a half a beat longer. But no, against Kentucky, I thought this offense showed a lot of signs of maturing and finding other ways to disperse the football. And then on the other end, those guys made plays. So now Carson Beck has more confidence. You mentioned Ladd McConkey adds to that as well. They didn't have him early on. Well, Georgia hoping to, to navigate through this injury, get through this schedule, and get to the SEC championship game where they could be on a collision course to face those Alabama Crimson Tide. Boy, is this team getting hot at the right time. Riding a six-game win streak, outscoring Tennessee 27-0 in the second half to restore the order of that rivalry. Jalen Milrow, multiple passing touchdowns in three straight games for the first time in his young career. Lugs, is it start to, time to start calling this little upstart program and great underdog story Alabama a potential playoff contender and a threat to Georgia? Well, I tell you, they have somehow managed to maintain the status of being the 800-pound gorilla in the room and be the underdog at the same time. I don't think Nick Saban's ever coached a football team like this. I don't think Nick Saban's ever been more frustrated with a football team than he is with this one. But they somehow, some way, come up with playmaking ability at all the right times. Now, I will say this. They're loaded on defense, guys. I mean, this is a team, defensively, that can keep them and put them in every single game. The explosive plays in the vertical passing game have come in droves. But then there are times where they will look like they don't know which way is their right. 
and which way is their left in the offensive line. Jalen Milrow will look sloppy in the short to intermediate passing game, and they've been heavily penalized. But yes, somehow I feel like they're going to screw around and end up finding themselves <laughs> in the playoff discussion five weeks from now. But this is the beauty, Lugs, of what college football is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about coaching yeah. players and getting better as the season goes along. And that's what Alabama did. Early in the season, there was a quarterback controversy, a quarterback competition. Jalen Milrow was benched. And all of a sudden, there was conversation on the outside of, what is he going to do? What's the team going to look like? And all of a sudden, Jalen Milrow gets back in, and they play to his strengths. And all of a sudden, six-game winning streak. And you look at the schedule coming down the line. You beat LSU next week, and all of a sudden, you're – well into that conversation of being back into an SEC championship game and then obviously the college football playoff. The one loss that Alabama has this season is versus a top 10 ranked Texas football team. And so if you have this bye week, continue to get better like we're supposed to be doing in college football as a team and individually, beat LSU, Kentucky, Chattanooga, Auburn, all of a sudden, not only are you a one-loss team that's going to SEC championship, but you're a team that didn't know who you were before, and now you know exactly who you are right now. Playoff elimination game coming up in a couple of weeks between Alabama and LSU. Cannot wait for that one. Coming up next here on this edition of College Football Live, it was a record-setting day for Air Force in what could be a historic season for the program. Falcons quarterback Zach Larrier joins us next. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. ABC College Football triple header for you on Saturday. Florida State, Wake Forest, Texas, BYU, and Coach Prime in Colorado facing UCLA. It is Wednesday on College Football Live. Time to get in the know with Joe. Sports betting analyst Joe Fortenbaugh with his weekly look at the main college football storylines through the eyes of Vegas. Joe, this past week we saw the reigning Heisman Trophy winner lose for the second straight week. And the Heisman favorite Michael Penix Jr. had an off night against Arizona State. So now we got a shake up in the odds. J.J. McCarthy's the odds on favorite jumping over Penix who sits at plus 280. Is there any value with anyone out there? Oh yeah. I take a good look at Oregon Ducks quarterback Bo Nix at 13-1. to He's almost a touchdown favorite this week at Utah, and if he wins that game, that 13-1 to is going to disappear. Marquee game still on the schedule against USC and Oregon State, and if they get a Pac-12 championship rematch against Washington, I like them to win that game. 13-1 to would be long gone by that time. All right, Joe, how about Marvin Harrison Jr.? He's got the seventh best odds at plus 1,600 or 16-1 to 
coming off that elite performance against Penn State. Is that a good value bet on Harrison? I love Marvin Harrison Jr., but I wouldn't make this bet. All right, he's got two things working against him. Number one, we've only seen two non-quarterbacks win the Heisman over the last 13 years, and one of those was a running back. As for the wide receiver who won it, Devontae Smith, he caught 117 passes for over 1,800 yards with 23 touchdowns that season. Harrison is on pace for fewer than 80 receptions, fewer than 1,500 yards, and about 11 touchdowns. The numbers aren't going to be there. I would need closer to 25 to 1 to play Harrison right now. All right, speaking of the Buckeyes, we already have look-ahead lines out on their matchup against Michigan at the end of the season, along with some other big matchups. Anything on this board catching your eye, Joe? Oh, yeah. I'd look at LSU plus 5.5 at Alabama. Big revenge spot for Nick Saban and the Tide. But given what Jaden Daniels and that LSU offense is capable of doing this season, combined with the fact that LSU has the bye leading into the Alabama game, I think they can absolutely keep this game close, if not win it outright. So I'm going to want the 5.5 points in my pocket there. We are once again in the know. Thank you, Joe. Air Force is now the betting favorite to win the Mountain West Conference. The Falcons remain unbeaten after last week's win over Navy, 7-0 for the first time since 1997, and currently the highest-ranked Group of Five team. And the quarterback for the Air Force Falcons, Zach Larrier, joins us now here on College Football Live. Zach, 7-0, undefeated on the season, top 20 in the nation. How would you describe what this season has been like for you and your team? Yeah, it's, it's been special. It's been a good one. Uh, I think it's well-deserved, the amount of work uh, all these guys and all of us put in and the people we have around us. It's been great. So I think it's been well-deserved, and we're happy to move on to the next week. A 94-yard pass play for a touchdown. Uh, you guys usually make your living through the air after school. Uh, you did it on the football field here for the Service Academy and Air Force. What was that like, 94 yards? How would you describe the reaction within the team? Yeah, it felt great to finally get something going on offense and to kind of just feel the electricity in the stadium. We had a lot of uh, a lot of Falcon fans over there in the corner, and it almost felt like a home game. So, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. What's it like to play in that game against Navy? It's unbelievable just having a team full of guys that are willing to, to be a part of something bigger than themselves and play against another team full of guys who are willing to be a part of something bigger than themselves. It's just... Unbelievable, just the amount of ferocity and tenacity each other, and uh, it's just it's unbelievable. It's indescribable. Yeah, you're you're majoring in biology. You're getting a minor in political science. You're the quarterback. You're a cadet. Can you just tell the the average college football fan what it's like to be a cadet and a quarterback? A day in the life of Zach Larry? Yeah, it's a busy day, but I'm I'm sure there's people out there with harder days. You know, you get up, you go to class. You come down, you do what you love, playing football, and uh, hopefully you can get yourself rewarded on a Saturday. And that's all I do every day. Well, and you got Colorado State uh, coming up this week. And then after that, you got a matchup with Army trying to get the Commander Chiefs trophy for the second consecutive year. But there's another prize out there as well. If you guys can finish undefeated, highest-ranked Group of Five champ, there's an opportunity to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. What would that mean to you and this program? Yeah, I mean, that would mean a lot to this program. And um, just the consistency, I think it really shows what we've been able to put on over the years. And it's, it's sort of culminating into this year here. It just, it's unbelievable what it can do for our school as a whole and 
uh, for the country as a whole with uh, recruiting more people to come to this school. And um, we're looking forward to it. But first things first, we got to deal with the tough Colorado State Rams this week. Another in-state battle there. The uh, folks from Fort Collins taking on those from Colorado Springs. Thanks for doing it, Zach. Best of luck on Saturday. Thank you so much. Speaking of their opponent, next week, Army is going to join the American Athletic Conference as a football-only member in 2024, replacing SMU, which will join the ACC next season. Army joins Navy as conference members. The two teams will still play their annual game the week after as a non-conference game after conference championship weekend and will not play each other in the regular season. So they, they finish in the top two. Playing the conference championship game. They have a non-conference game the following week in Philadelphia. <laughs> I want to mention the FCS committee, the reveal of the top ten. We've got it tomorrow. We're a month away from the road to Frisco.